AI is a big bet. It's not a little bet. It's a, it's big AI, not little AI. Should say we're recording, Paul. Hi, hi, nice to see you. Good to see you, Paul. Well, let's talk artificial intelligence and architecture. Um, I know we had some preliminary thoughts on this one that that range from the social implications, the ethical implications for an architect. Mm -hmm. Let me start with the big elephant in the closet. Do you think AI is really here to stay? I mean, we saw it come and go once before. And three times, they say two to three times, actually, it's been uh, it's been uh, a hot topic in the uh, uh, in the uh, the 80s and the 90s. And now, uh, you know, uh, again, um, in fact, I got my first chief architect title on an, on an AI project. I mean, there was a little machine learning, but it was mostly fuzzy logic. Um, okay. And, you know, so we, we also have to talk about what is AI? Is it is it deep uh, learning? Is it machine learning? Is it? Uh, is it, you know, inferencing engines and rules engines? Is it fuzzy logic? Uh, is it a combinatorial aspect? Um, you know, what, it, what does it mean to be smart? Is I, really I think it started with all those things bundled together and great expectations when you start, you know, when you look at the early stuff, like the, the early pioneers, like, um, you know, guys like Minsky, maybe even guys like Feigenbaum that were in there that were looking for some sort of general solutions and and say yeah here, here we have it and i think i think a few things happened one is the general solution was hard to find so we didn't get it and, and we still don't have it really but we have machine recognition but not general all-purpose artificial general intelligence. intelligence no uh, no and 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 um i you know i'll I did, haven't talked to grady recently about this but grady was the head uh, was the head grady booch was and a famous architect, but also the head of, of IBM's. Uh, um, and he said, you know, look, we're a long way away from general intelligence. Uh, now, that was five or six years ago, I think, that he said that to me. Um, but I don't know that general intelligence is something that we're searching for yet um, either. Uh, the the I, I'm not sure we're ready to give birth to the you know, to a new species, as it were, um, that, you know, and that, that, that question, I think, is, is moot. Once you connect enough neurons together, they start to organize. And, you know, I mean, we got to have, what, uh, about 100 trillion little processors connected before they start thinking for themselves, and then we'll see. Um, but again, I think that's, th- this is great stuff for, uh, for, um, for I guess the the sci-fi version of AI uh, and kind of the the general population's understanding of it, which primarily comes from you know great movies like The Matrix. Um, but what we're really talking about is practical AI, right? We're talking about right now. We're talking about uh, you know hyper automation, um, you know, which is automation combined with. Uh, machine learning techniques to to optimize. And, and let's face it, Paul. A lot of the problems that AI had was its success, not its failures. Like what when you, you look at modern day, you know, spreadsheets that come from the MIT labs, right? And, it, and as soon as it worked, it wasn't AI anymore. It was spreadsheet technology, right? And uh, it went into the mainstream. And I think you know, even with the stuff we're seeing today, machine recognition, you know, when it becomes successful, well, what do we need to make it successful? What's different now? 
I think the big thing is data, you know, volumes of data, like you said, like you have the neurons firing there. We have more data access than we've ever had before. We have integration capabilities to enable it like we've never had before. What I like seeing is the the assist the assistant based um, technologies. Meaning, you know, so we we just had we've got the um, uh, the use of AI in healthcare, right? So we've just we've just had a, a you know a release of uh, major initiatives on uh, helping to map the DNA of the uh, of uh, the, the the DNA to uh, and be able to to test it and effectively. Um, you know, look at the impacts of medicines on uh, the, the effectively the, the human genome and things of that nature. Um, so we see those kinds of advances are what I'm really excited about. I think general what we're we the, the hype around AI is that every programmer is going to use it, um, and every company has you know two thousand business cases that are all applicable to AI. And I just think that's not, I think we're learning that's not true, that it, uh, that, that AI is a big bet. It's not a little bet. It's a, it's big AI, not little AI. Um, and that you've got to have a lot to back that up. You, and, and then also you've got to really know what you're doing to do it in an ethical and structurally safe way. Right. So I, my, my big concern of course, is the ethical ramifications and not just the, uh, not just the, uh, the, the the sort of meta ethics questions of the concept of ethical AI, but the actual uh, normative moral applications of that. Be you know, again, is it right to take a picture of someone and recognize their face? And who gets access to that recognition and the location data that goes along with it? Um, so you talked about you know machine uh, recognition or machine human recognition. There are everything from, you know, identification through human gates, gate, meaning walking gate, to facial recognition, to uh, then, then being able to auto-tie auto that in with location data, access to certain, uh, you know, to certain uh, purchase data. You can put together a ridiculously comprehensive picture of a human being's behavior using these techniques. And that's just, that's just one ethical question. Uh, who gets access to that? When do they get access to that? How, you know, do we have to take out a permit? Um, you know, so for example, I got to take out a permit to be able to fly a drone near a Capitol building. I have to have, I have to have special permit. I have to be a reporter or I have to do, and even then mostly I don't get access to that because they can be used as weapons. Um, so well, this raises a really good point. I mean, we've even had some, you know, in our built seminar series, we've had some really great guests, guys like yeah. Michael Nelson talking about, you know, the fear side of this, you know, the technophobia, people being afraid of tech lash. And then on the flip side, we, you know, you look at, <laughs> at somebody like Facebook, where the AIs are in there, and, and they're, they're accessing this massive data, and they're actually yeah. building these, these, um, you know, portraits of people that awesome. are they're used to, to market. But the real question is, ethically, as an architect, if it's going ahead, right, these are big issues. Should yeah. I be on the hook as an architect? And my answer, my first thought is no, that that's too hard. Maybe for the data. I, I want to separate I, no, that. I, I, so, but I, I completely fundamentally disagree with that. Uh, okay, because, let's, hear this. let's get this out. Because, okay. Six people have died from car that are confirmed dead by Tesla AI. Six human beings. Uh, been confirmed 
uh, dead. Now, a number there have been a number of deaths, but most but, but of those hold, deaths, just as you're going into this, Paul, I just want to be clear: the number of people dead from non-AI is much bigger. Yeah, but what happens when all the AI? But see, AI has the problem of being systematic. It's also exceptionally good at being systematic. But what if everyone had been driving Teslas in a fully automated capacity? That number goes from 600 to 6,000 to 60,000 really quickly when everybody's using a self-driving car. See what I'm well, saying? That's actually interesting. So you're so there's to me, there's two aspects, and you hit one is you know, amplification of flaws, you know, as they get out and they yes. get into society. Yeah, Another yeah. one that I'd like to raise is the idea of, of failure mode. You know, if you have an airplane that lands with AI, but it crashes on a clear day, even if it's statistically better than the human operator, are we willing to accept something like that? That is, so, I mean, we, we're talking about really is the fundamental philosophy of AI and, and, and whether or not the human, uh, the, the, the human population will accept flaws in a systemic decision-making system even if overall, statistically, they're more viable. Mm -hmm. But again, we, so we can, we can show easily racial bias in AI, right? It's been, we've, we've got a, a Microsoft chatbot, you know, um, there's a, there, there's the easy to find that because it's the flaws in the data. Now, what the happens- Flaws in the data and in the training, absolutely, yes. So I'm, I'm looking at primarily whether or not is ethical AI even possible? Is it even possible? Because not only the question of if have six Teslas killed people, but quite frankly, um, who, first of all, back to your original question, uh, you know, to me, that is either the architect killed those six people or Elon Musk did. And I and maybe you can argue that 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 you know the financial benefits and the and the environmental benefits, but how many people does it take before how you know how much profit for Tesla is worth those six lives? Well, how, let me flip you know, this around I, though. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a, a total counter argument. Let's go to healthcare. I in, in my early days, I was working on a knockoff of a system that was very similar to one developed in Stanford called Onkison, which was mm -hmm. used for chemotherapy. And what actually came interesting there is if it became a standard that would actually outperform the doctors, could you justify not using the AI on the flip side if it performed better? Absolutely. These are the, the really, really, I mean, there is no great answer. That's the whole point of the human systems is that there's no perfect answer, but we, this goes, this fundamentally goes back to, um, I mean, Fundamentally, we trust humans' failures more than we trust software systems' successes. Absolutely, we, yep. Like, I mean, how many of the average person, people, you know, are going to understand the statistical analysis of AI successes? Do we have to, do, are we going to use them? Absolutely. I'm so extremely excited about medical applications of AI. I'm extremely excited about self-driving cars. But we've got a really difficult set of, uh, of, of processes to go through before we get the, to the point where it will be acceptable regardless of whether it's a good idea. Because again, it takes one crash into a school bus, uh, one school bus that crashes, 
before the pitchforks and torches come out. Well, this is a really good, this raises a really interesting point, you know, from my perspective, when you start to look at AI applications and start to classify them, you know, what are the risky ones? What are the ones that aren't so risky? You talk about a self-driving car. Well, that's kind of, you know, can kill people, right? But you talk about your medicines. Well, it gives you ideas. Then you go through clinical trials. You're still going through a long, elaborate process to get, you know, AI found pharmaceuticals out. And so I think what we're going to see is a gradual shift across different, like a landscape of applications, things that become more acceptable. Well, you know what I'm mostly concerned about is that we don't have the infrastructure. We call, I call it infrastructure. It's you know, that would confuse the audience, but I think. But the, when I think of the way that we do medicine and the way that we do um, uh, law and the way that we do financial management, et cetera, um, I don't think of them as perfect systems, but I do think of them as systems that have the components necessary to have an interface between law education, the general population, the value to society, and, and fundamentally the, the, the practitioners involved. Now, we don't have a philosophy of, uh, of, of, of the, the foundations of those relationships in IT. So you may not at all, even not, not to mention, I mean, AI is a, is a big, nice headliner, right? Tesla car, Drive successfully, yay. Tesla car runs someone over, boo. But hey, it's um, also problematic. You're talking about institutions that have been here, you know, in some cases, hundreds of years, like law, that have evolved the code of ethics over time. And with something like AI, we're talking about really an exponential technology that's changing rapidly that can give us implications that we haven't even thought of. And, you know, a week from now, somebody may come up with some killer app we can't even get our head around. You know, I can tell you, you know, Heisenberg could tell you a different story. You know, I mean, yeah, they, they, exponential technology has always, it's always felt exponential. It's always felt. In 1867, buildings were falling over and killing people. That's why building architects were invented, right? I mean, it's not like that's been 10,000 years. The profession of architecture started with the profession of building architecture, building. Uh, no, no, my, my point though is do we have the time today to take, like to take, Five no, or ten time. years. It's about will. We have the time. We, I mean, I've been at this twenty years, right? It doesn't take that long. We've got certified architects like yourself. We've got, you know, we've got all the infrastructure. We've got master's degree programs that are already accredited. We've got legal interfaces between. I mean, you know, between certified architects and academia and and government what we don't have right now is the will to do this we well we are, don't have the will and we don't have a framework for ethics that we can really apply quickly that's well, the other I don't, but we do i mean it, it's a not it, it isn't oh, the, the the infrastructure of this isn't horribly different than medicine where by the way in medicine new technology is created even more quickly than it is in the general technology circles they but, agree. you know, medicine, there's a great example, again, Paul, where you're going to see rapid changes that we can't accommodate. Like you've got a, you know, a six-year cycle for a clinical trial. Drugs yeah. come out in two years that cause less damage that should be out in three. Like you need to sort of rush. A good example, COVID vaccines being rushed yeah. through is changing the face of medicine to do things 
That it is. is. And, we're, and who knows what we're going to see four years from now from, you know, from the actual public clinical trials that we're running now. We don't. The reason it takes an average of 14 years to release new techniques in in medicine is because that's what it takes to be sure that it doesn't have secondary side effects that are, are going to cause mass sterilization, for example. But are we going to only know? Can we live with that 14 years? And, and when, when I don't want it to be 14 years. It needs to be whatever it needs to be. But we need to right. have the we need to have the framework for the discussion about what it should be, and not what some big vendor wants it to be because they want their 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 profits to be really large. I mean, we're driving this based on Wall Street, not based on human knowledge is advancing. And that we do we even want self-driving cars? Like, is it a good thing? How many taxi drivers would tell you it's a good thing? You know, again, it we're not having it, it, this is about having an intelligent, cogent debate about the healthy application of these things to a society where it may hurt more than it helps. And it may hurt in ways that we've never imagined. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen this in any number of cases in history. And my point isn't that it should go fast or slow. My point is that it should go the speed that it should go to be good for society. And that's all. Point, I, I agree with that, Paul, but going the speed that it should go means we have to radically rethink how we position ethics and technology. Absolutely. I mean, if we can have that conversation for, if we can get that conversation front and center, and more importantly, it's ethics and technologists. I mean, come on, let's do it. You know, the, 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 Google, the mass Google uh, uh, difficulties with yep. their employees related to China, right, is a great <laughs> example of a group of technologists going, F you, I don't care about your profits, I'm not going to be involved in something that could hurt people. And that is the whole difficulty that we have in our system. The system that we're missing right now is that we have no uh, professional voices in the debate. We have vendors, we have employers and companies, yeah. right? Making profitable decisions. And I'm all for profit. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've spent my life making money for companies. But we have no professional background. We have a group of people with random training. And by the way, we, we, we help train a lot of the large organizations out there. So I've seen their training programs, right? A huge number of the services firms out there just come up with training internally and go like, uh, this is how we're going to train architects. Don't reference anything externally. There's no body of knowledge shared globally. There's no testing. So you've effectively got random groups of technologists applying very powerful technologies to systems that impact society at the cheapest cost possible with no oversight. Does that sound like a great system of ethics? What can go wrong with that, Paul? Yeah, what no, can go wrong <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a panacea for people who own profits or own shares in those big vendors. And what's this is the problem that I have with the ethical AI discussion is, again, it's being driven by the people making profit off of AI. Yes. And, and that, that is a problem. And, it, and it's interesting, even the stuff that goes and makes it to you know, organizations like the Senate or groups like that to sort of act yeah. as oversight. Who do they're, they call? They're not really who, equipped even to, to look at it, really. 
effectively. Well, and who no does one. the Senate call when they want to have a conversation? Do they call the, um, you know, the professional body of, uh, of software engineers of America, the professional body of architects of America, um, and anything like that? Do they, do, do they call it? No, they call Facebook and Microsoft and all that. And I love those companies. Don't get me wrong. They're doing amazing stuff. And we are proud to be partnered with them. And they have amazing people. But there's no systemic group of people that bypass corporate employment that have any influence in those dialogues. Nor is there a, a rigorous background for what it takes to be a practitioner. Now, if you ran hospitals that way, how good do you think medicine would be? Well, I, I don't know. That's a really what good if, question. What if the only people who had anything to say about medicine were hospital owners and pharmaceutical companies? Well, you know, Paul, it's kind of like that now anyways, right? Like the pharmaceuticals, like they educate it's, our doctors until a It's part. not, it's not, we've been, I mean, I, you know, I know it feels like that because we've all, because we have the, we have these things, but think about how ubiquitous medicine is, right? And think about all the times you visited a doctor and how many COVID cases we've seen of doctors going above and beyond. How many times doctors have stood up and said, no, that's wrong. We're not doing it that way. Oh, and, and the doctors that do that, how many times have they gotten flack for doing that for going outside the official party Some. line? Quite a bit. Some. Some but, yeah. they did, but they didn't lose their license. But, you know, there, oh, is, okay. a, there is okay. an ethical board that is responsible for whether or not you keep your license. And it's put, it's it's made up of practitioners of medicine. It is not made up of your employment history. And right now, the only thing that makes you an architect is if somebody gives you the title and that's it. You know, and you, and you don't have an ethical avenue if you see them abusing their power. I literally had an architect tell me once, it is well known. And, you know, obviously, I would never release his name because he didn't mean to do it. Um, but he said, it's well known that we don't care about our clients. We just want to sell our product. And I said, <laughs> but this is what scares me about AI and in all that is mostly that there's not a system that connects our research together. Like, you know, again, there's the, the ethical AI space is really being well handled. I'm really impressed to see all the different groups that are involved in answering those questions. What there is a problem with is the connection between what their findings are and what the average architect product owner, software engineer, et cetera, can do inside of an end user company or a vendor company. And how you connect that, that substrate of people and the decisions they make and what is allowed to do is the really hard part, right? The efficacy but of the, ethics. The tough part with seeing that though and coming up with an ethical body to, to you know, sort of oversee that is the very nature of some of the things that they're doing may have unintended consequences. For instance, the like button on Facebook tied into AIs that are, you know, evaluating what yeah. to present to us. Yeah, it sounds really good until you start to see how these AIs start to harvest our attention, like they point out in things like the social dilemma, right? Yeah, I, you know, and I think, I mean, again, I, I'm not, I don't want to be a fear monger. I believe in the system of technology. I absolutely believe in the value and the quality of technologists around the world. 
I have, but you know, I, I mean, my job is to is to talk to people like you and to talk and to talk to just really amazing architects, people that blow me away, right? But what I don't see is a systemic com commitment to excellence in people and an ethical control of people who make bad decisions. Okay, so again, I go back to, if a doctor kills a bunch of patients, they don't let him be a doctor anymore. That is not the case with bad technology decisions that impact people, right? And like you said at the beginning, so I mean, I do think we have a lot of practical applications of healthy, easy to say, yes, automate the hell out of that, um, except for what we used to think of as easy, like, like you just mentioned, the social dilemma. Yeah can also be used to hurt people. I mean, we never thought yeah. Facebook was gonna do that, right? We didn't think there was gonna be a red feed and a blue feed in Facebook. We just thought it was a place to put our pictures and share them with friends. Exactly. So how do we, as technologists, let's say that I'm an architect. Okay, there's a really good, uh, let's say that I'm an architect working there and I see where this is going. What do I do? Where's my whistleblower policy that protects my license? Where's the external review of the code base? Where is the governmental regulation that controls, that, 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 that assesses? I mean, if I own a restaurant, I, have, I get randomly assessed by the government every reg, all the time. People just show up and start wiping things down and going, oh, no, nope, we're closing you down. It's too dirty in your kitchen. But if I build software that changes people's lives, nothing. No one looks at it. Well, and it, it even gets exasperated by the fact that we may not even understand what the software is doing overall as human operators. Like these AIs, yeah. are, they're going to exceed our capacity very soon, right? If so, not so already. We're going to, I mean, bringing it back to AI and, and let's, let's, let's take a bit because I don't like to get too much on the soapbox uh, it, on this one because I think we can solve this problem. And I honestly don't think it's that hard to solve. We're going to see this year, a lot more work done in explanatory, you know, uh, uh, what a self-describing AI, right? Okay. Here's why I made that decision. And there's a lot of great investment going into AIs being able to describe and self-describe where a decision came from. That's gonna give us a lot of traceability into critical decisions that may be, you know, I, I did, why didn't you hire me? Or, you know, why did your AI filter me out? Yeah. Um, so we, we are making progress in ethical AI. We are making progress. I hope to say we're making progress in ethical IT. Um, I think we're missing, and I don't think that the solving of the big problem is that easy. I mean, is that, I think it's gonna take time because we're talking about changing the globe and not talking about just changing things in Sweden or in, you know, Tennessee. Well, it's going to, we're going to need to measure outcomes and relate that to some sort of rationale. Paul, how are you doing for time? We're at top I'm, of the I'm okay. I'm okay. This is a really great thing. I do want us to get to the, you know, the, the, the good stuff too, which is that there's a lot of practical value in AI that isn't super dangerous, right? Um, no. that, that, that I think that that's where I get excited. You know I mean? Again, say uh, we look at marketing techniques. I mean, I, you advertising we've decided is an okay thing. The, so far, the human population has said, yeah, okay, ads are annoying, but they pay for free content, you know? Um, I, I do hope to see that we'll see 
like more and more controls on that in the sense of what can be done. But ultimately, I mean, I think that there's a lot of great immediate applications in, in automation in things like IoT. I mean, I could, uh, I don't know about you, but I love Alexa. No, she didn't listen. You know, um, <laughs> I was I was in fear when you said that that my Alexa would sort of go on and ask for something. Exactly. Yeah. Now we should get our Alexas talking to each other. Right? Which I, there was a great little uh, a great little video or YouTube video or something about uh, Siri. Somebody who got Siri and Alexa to just to wow. say things to each other in a big loop. Um, so I mean I love the the like sort of the what we call the the AIoT stuff. Yeah, the augmented reality, the sensory. You know, well, just, of our just where I can, I can connect, you know, where I can connect, my refrigerator can recommend recipes based on what's in it, you know, yeah. just, just stuff where, you know, we can do really fun things that people can, that, that people can get a lot of value from. Um, absolutely, to your point, do we have, uh, to your point of, uh, previously, we do have an ethical responsibility to use AI as far as possible to save lives, right? Mm -hmm. To, you know, to, if that can help in surgery, then it, you know, or in medicine, you know, in, di in diagnostics or whatnot, then we absolutely have an ethical responsibility to do that. And we're doing, we're seeing so many great things there. Like you said, if I can land a plane 99% better without a human operator, then, then, we're, then we're saving lives instead of, instead of taking them. I don't know if the, the world can handle, I, what I think the world needs to, to augment its current system is to have that panel of experts that the world believes. And that's the real trick, is the world doesn't believe Mark Zuckerberg because he's profiting, profiting from Facebook, right? The world doesn't believe, I'm not saying what the investors believe, but I don't trust Elon Musk, you know, to, with my child's car driving life because he's profiting from it, right? What I'd like to see is an independent, set of experts that are all very clearly independent from the profitability that get to review cases where this is where this is happening and whether or not there was any malfeasance effectively right the, so that we have that okay that's the group of people we trust and they they said it was okay right mm. not it's like, you know, I don't want to see all the oil executives in the world get together and, and demonstrate why they should be able to drill in the Arctic, you know, <laughs> like, of course you want to drill in the Arctic. Mm. Um, so that's what we're missing. We're missing that group of trusted advisors. And we talk about this in architecture all the time. The reason why the world needs architects is because we make amazing trusted advisors. We have ethical controls basically already in place. And ISA already has the ability to call an ethics board. Now, we're not nearly far enough into how that would run <laughs> and, and exactly how we would run it. Um, and no one's called one yet, but we're really far along with that notion of, of removing someone's professional title and their ability to practice based on what we would see in a regular legal case. I mean, I don't know about you, but um, but that that that, that uh, lawyer show. The, what's the what's the lawyer show called? Uh, the one on uh, Netflix. Uh, anyway, um, suits perhaps or suits. Yeah, yeah, suits. You know, I don't. If you saw the episode where they put him in front of the legal review panel, oh, yeah. you know, yep. I mean, that's that's all we're missing in technology. We're missing a group of experts that are board certified, that are ethically controlled, 
that meet independently of their employers to provide this kind of advice, expert advice in legal cases, in uh, legislation, and in external review of government systems or what you were saying, socio-technical systems, uh, what Barry O'Reilly and I talk, have always talked about, socio-technical systems need to have clear evidence as the need to use AI and any other dangerous technology. That's actually really interesting. I, you know, I actually see two aspects to evolving AIs. One is this thing that you're talking to right now, the need for professional understanding, kind of like almost like analogous to a chain of custody. Have I built a system that I understand is the data ethically harvested? Am I yep. using the right stuff? And then there's another side where we need to sort of make sure that we're engaging the right domain experts. Is it coming out with good decisions? How do, and we need to bring those two together actually. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, again, I go back to my, the, the, I, I bring this up all the time and uh, you've heard it a dozen times, but you know, it was eye-opening to me to see uh, during a heart surgery um, firsthand, um, a good friend of mine invited me to see it. Uh, and uh, it was, was cool because I was masked in and everything. And, um, but to see domain experts, so in, in the room was a, a domain expert, a, a, a specialist that ran the heart uh, blood circulation machine. Basically, it was a it was a basically a big mechanical heart that kept the blood circulating while they worked on 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 the valve replacement. Work with the anesthesiologist and the surgeon and the nurses, the surgical nurses, um, and other experts as needed in the room. And I mean, it's that's what I'm saying is the systems of expert guidance, uh, domain expert guidance, and uh, and, and uh, what do we want to call it? Professional practitioner. The methods for working together have been worked out in other professions. We really just have to copy and paste and modify to get the the, the uh, expectations that we want in in technology. And I, you know, I mean, that, that's that's where I go to for advice. Like I don't I don't try to invent a new mentoring system for architects. I just go look at how are doctors mentored, how are building architects mentored. How do they grow, you know, from apprentice to journeyman to, to, to master or whatnot, and then adapt those to exactly some of the things you said. It was, what do we want our timelines to look like? Should, you know, should it really take 15 years to become a specialist or 20 years to become a specialist, you know, senior master distinguished architect like yourself? Or, or can we get that down to 10 years? Is that still ethically viable? And, and those kinds of questions can be answered relatively straightforwardly if we start working together and we start, now, again, and we start thinking about the people that are doing things and whether they should have the right to do those things. Well, and I mean, this is a really good point because you have groups that are professional groups. Like you, you bring up this example, doctors can cut people open, for instance, and that's a group of people. And lawyers can decide who should be able to cut people open or not. But they don't talk a lot except when they go to court these days. And I guess where I'm going with this is as architects and we start building out a framework for ethics, I believe it's going to need to be inclusive of other professions as we go forward. I could completely concur. I would love to see those professions emerge. I think, you know, um, the work we're doing in professionalization of architecture needs to be done for engineers, yes. uh, for sure. Um, and then, you know, then the question becomes which other, which other sort of technology related fields, um, need to need this, this, this sense of, 
of either technician, right? So I'm a specialist at, at, at cloud or something, yeah. right? Or I'm a subspecialist at machine learning, right? And I and then how did we interact? So the, the I think that question needs to be answered. The um, the, 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 you know, there's a lot of fundamental excitement and we're going to be doing a whole lot of web events at ISA on the applications, the business cases of behind AI. Um, and we believe that there needs to be a good, we're actually developing a really good AI architecture course, right? To work in tandem with integration architecture course, the, uh, the software architecture course, et cetera. But we need a lot more professions popping up. Uh, what, that's what I don't like. I don't see the engineers getting together and saying we need a profession. Um, you, you know, which 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 roles do we need to professionalize truly? Because it it isn't a cheap, but isn't an easy process. Well, it's interesting. The engineering world, right? I mean, they have you know, I guess regional professional bodies that you know have authority in states and you know provinces and countries and. But again, they're not general. They're not generally applicable. Well, and they don't. That, I mean, they, they claim engineering in, in some of them claim a relationship to engineer uh, to, to software engineering, but not mostly. Mostly, you know, I mean, engineering is mostly a mechanical, electrical, chemical, structural uh, kind of practice. But again, they, I mean, and, and think about that. Chemical engineering is not that old. I mean, we talk so much about how technology is, oh, it's so fast and it's so new. And I'm like, it's really not. I mean, we've, we've had computers for a very long time now, a very, very long time. We just don't want to do it. We want our six-figure salaries with as little training as possible. I mean, why would we want to- Are you suggesting that as human beings we're lazy, Paul? I am suggesting that we are, yes. No, <laughs> I would agree with that, actually. I'm actually suggesting that technology has always been such a, uh, such a, just kind of a, a geek thing that, that nobody really wanted to ever wade into it. Everybody just kind of wanted to go, okay, you guys, you guys do the magic. Don't talk to me about well, it. Well, and this is really important as we go forward. We talked about the necessity, you know, to, for the architect to be in the boardroom. And we talked about the necessity before of an architect to weigh in on decisions that, that impact society more? Well, I, I, I would go much further than that. I would, if I, if I could, I would go to the US government and, and, and the major governments around the world to get the initial policies set. And I would have an independent architectural review of every significant socio-technical system in the, you know, that, that went into production. I would, I mean, like I said, we've done this, we do this with restaurants. It's not that hard. You just have to have the people. And like, you have to have the process. Yep. I mean, it's, but it's expensive and it's, uh, and it slows things down. And I do, and nobody wants to slow things down, including me, except for the stuff that's going to kill people if you keeps going fast, you know? And so I, I, again, we go back to airplanes crashing and things of that nature that, that really need software to be reviewed by someone who isn't making a profit on it. Well, I think software, and in addition, we need some, we need somebody to look at the underlying data that we're using in there and start to, like, what is the ethical use of data? You know, and I think there's lines that really need to be, you know, addressed. Uh, what's appropriate for me to share? 
Um, yeah, and I, th I, th I do think that a lot of people are doing that research. I just don't think it's connected to the way people do the systems. That's my big problem. I think that there's, I mean, I know for a fact that there's, there are a great many uh, research activities going on right now into data uh, bias or, and, and algorithmic bias in AI systems. It is one of the primary challenges and opportunities in 2021. Um, but what I don't know is how that's going, the output of that is going to connect to the average architect working on a system for a marketing firm or for a marketing arm of a billion dollar company. Because the people that they hire, nor the company, do they care, nor do we have any visibility into what they're building, right? So that, again, how do you connect the dots outside of corporate regulation, which is super difficult to implement at that level without great people who are ethically liable and trained. You know, see what I'm saying?